So, here's the reminder for the day. You have a family. And some of you are saying, yes, I have a family. And some of you are saying, oi, I have a family. (laughs) And most of us are someplace in the middle. Well, we all have families, and I want to remind you today that, that Jesus had a family too. And, and here's the thing, like you, Jesus had to deal with family drama at the most inconvenient times. But taking care of family business while you're hanging on the cross, doesn't that sound a bit much to you? But in reality, that was Jesus' experience. While he's being crucified, he realizes that not one of his brothers cared enough to be there for their mother. Now we know from Mark chapter 3 that Jesus had four brothers, James and Joseph and Jude and Simon. And we know that they did not believe in him, at least not yet. But couldn't they at least have been there for their own mother? And while he's hanging on the cross, do you think Jesus might have thought to himself, why now? Of all times to deal with family drama, why, why now? Why, why at this moment couldn't they just have shown up? Talk about an awkward family circumstance. And what did Jesus do next? Well, it's amazing. He's literally dying for the sins of the whole world. And he's taking care of family drama. Have you ever noticed that these things pop up at the most important moments? Seems like the drama shows up at Christmas time or birthdays or funerals or or weddings or other important events. You're just hoping that everybody's going to get along, it's going to be okay. But you know in your heart of hearts, the other shoe is going to drop. And here we go, more drama. Because those family drama kings and queens, they seem to emerge at the most inopportune moments. And it's remarkable to think about the fact that Jesus had a family too. And when we read in the book of Hebrews that Jesus experienced life like we do, that he's one of us, it it means just that. And so let's spend a little time this morning combing through the Gospels to get a glimpse of how Jesus related to his family. Now there's no doubt that he loved and, and respected his mother, but you'll remember John opens the second chapter of his gospel with that story of Jesus attending a family wedding with his mom. And heretofore, he had not performed a single miracle. But Mary was supremely confident in his identity. And like any mother, was was so proud of her son. You might remember the story. They ran out of wine in the middle of the wedding feast. And Mary went straight to Jesus to ask him to fix it. And and Jesus basically said, Mom, this isn't my problem. 
This isn't the time or the place. And as a typical mother would, Mary just ignored everything he said, turned to the servants, and said, do what he tells you to do. Turned on her heel and walked away, leaving Jesus hanging right right there. And of course, you know how it all turned out. He famously turned big pots of water into wine. And every time I read that story, I'm amused to think that Jesus performed his first miracle to please his mother, who kind of coerced him into doing it. Like we've been saying, Jesus had a family too. And his was pretty big. Matthew 1.25 tells us Joseph did not consummate his marriage with Mary until after the birth of Jesus. But then after then, he must have been pretty busy because we know he had at least four brothers and had multiple sisters. And after his ministry had begun, Jesus entered his hometown and it didn't go so well there. Here's how the Bible recounts his first visit home. It says, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. So Luke wrote that the neighbors he'd grown up with were offended with him and got angry. And if you continue reading in that passage, you'll discover that they got so mad at him, they tried to pick him up and carry him and throw him off a cliff there in Nazareth. But notice in the middle of all that mess, Matthew gives specific information about all of these siblings that he had, four brothers and multiple sisters. And it's obvious that the neighbors didn't believe in him. How about his own family? Well, they had issues too. As his ministry began to unfold, Jesus' brothers became convinced that he was losing his grip on reality. He's supposed to be the Messiah, but he's not acting anything like a Messiah ought to act. You know, actually, I think they were more concerned about their reputation than they were about Jesus. But they decided that they were going to track him down while he was on the road and do what we today would call an intervention. Uh, This is pretty amazing to me. Because, you know... One of, our, uh, one of our idioms for uh, an intervention these days, we call it a come-to-Jesus moment. Well, this is crazy to think, but Jesus' family wanted to have a come-to-Jesus moment with Jesus. And so they, they, they show up, and, and, they, and they try to convince him to, to be taken off of the road. As a matter of fact, here, here's how Mark tells the story. It says, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered. So he began to teach the disciples and they were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. 
standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I'll tell you what's so amazing to me about this passage. It's not that his brothers didn't believe in him. I mean, brothers will be brothers, right? It's that they convinced Mary to be a part of this intervention. I mean, his, his brothers weren't around when Gabriel announced that Mary would be the mother of the Messiah. His brothers weren't there to hear the stories the shepherds and the wise men told about angels and a supernatural star. His brothers weren't in the temple when Simon took Jesus in his arms and proclaimed that the long-awaited Messiah had finally come. His brothers weren't there, but, but Mary was. How, how could she get dragged into this? How could she have any doubt? Well, I've been reminding people often, even in the context of my own experiences, that doubt and faith can coexist. And those experiences I mentioned were now three decades old and things weren't working out as she had envisioned. Maybe she misunderstood. Perhaps it was all a dream. I mean, Jesus was stirring up all kinds of controversy. His followers are leaving in droves and he doesn't even seem to mind. It's nothing like she expected. And Jesus didn't seem to understand how to be the Messiah. And worse yet, he was, he was ticking off the powers that be. And Mary began to fear for his safety. And so she capitulated to her other sons who thought the best thing to do was to go and get Jesus, bring him off the road, and talk some sense into him. Now, I'm not saying Mary stopped believing, but it's apparent that, that she got sucked into family drama as well, that, that she got caught in the dynamics of her own family, and apparently it was clouding her judgment. Like I told you, Jesus had a family too. And bringing her into their scheme, Judas, Jesus' brothers were literally following that old dictum, right? Save the drama for your mama. And she got caught in the middle of all of it. Uh, and, and this isn't the only time that Jesus' brothers tried to intervene in his life. They were more than happy to give unsolicited advice about how to be the Messiah. Listen to this encounter from John chapter 7. It says, When the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to be a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival 
because my time has not yet fully come. Boy, don't you love it when your family decides to tell you how to run your life? Uh, I, I believe that one of the most disingenuous statements of all time starts with the phrase, if I was you. When someone prefaces advice to you by saying those words, just remember they're not you. And they can say whatever they want to say because they're not going to have to live with the consequences of the decisions that they suggest. So when you need counsel, seek out Christians you know and trust. Take their wisdom seriously. But always be leery of people, even in your own family, who start out by saying, if I was you. Because they're not. You'll notice in the middle of that passage, John assessed the situation like this. His brothers were telling him how to be the Messiah, but they didn't even believe in him themselves. And Jesus was smart enough to know that you should never take advice from people who don't believe in you. Before we end this look at Jesus' relationship with his family, I, I do want to make one more observation and that's that his brothers did become believers. His brother James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem and actually wrote the book in the New Testament that bears his name. His brother Judas also authored a book in the New Testament using his nickname, Jude. For some reason, people didn't want to use Judas anymore. And it wasn't a gradual change either. It happened all of a sudden. And you want to know why? It's because the resurrection changes everything. And the change in his brothers is a reminder about the power of the resurrection. Because days after the crucifixion, they became believers in Jesus. And we know this because in the very first chapter of Acts, we discover that Jesus' brothers had become his followers. Listen to verses 13 and 14 in Acts chapter 1. It's a list of the people who were there at the very beginning of the church. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. A list of all the disciples with the exception of Judas. And then it goes on to say, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And Luke made it a point at the beginning of his history about the church to let us know that Jesus' brothers had become believers. The resurrection was such an amazing event that it changed everything. Even Jesus' relationship with his own family. Isn't it amazing? that his doubting brothers became devoted followers because of the resurrection. Well, that's a summary of what the New Testament says about Jesus' relationship with his family. So let's use that as a context for what Jesus said to his mother and his disciple John as he was hanging on the cross. So here we are in this series 
taking a look at all of these things that Jesus said. John is the only one to record this part of the story. He wrote, When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom Jesus loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So here's, here's my big question. If Jesus knows everything, which he does, he knew that his brothers, Mary's own children, would become committed followers immediately after his resurrection, literally in just a few days. So I wonder, if he knew that, if he knew that they were going to be there to love and support their mother, Mary, why was it necessary for him to say this? Actually, I think it, it gives great insight into Jesus' character and helps us know how he cares for us as well. Because the good news is, Jesus knows what's going on right now in your life. He knows your situation. Mary was going to have plenty of care in the long term. But on this day, she had no one from her family there for her. Pause for a moment and imagine what it was like for her to stand at the foot of the cross watching Jesus die. I mean, this was not how it was supposed to turn out. And her mind was, was reeling with the words from the angel Gabriel when he came to her that night and said about Jesus, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And she's trying to reconcile that promise with this reality. It's true, Jesus had predicted his resurrection, but the possibility of that eventuality was so remote on that Friday afternoon that it wasn't even on Mary's radar. And she didn't know the end of the story like we do. She was living there in real time watching this happen, trying to figure out how and why and, and what it could ever mean. And Jesus knew what was in her heart mind. He knew her moment of desperation. And I have some good news. He knows yours too. And if you're ever tempted to think that Jesus doesn't understand, remember this story. Here he is dying on the cross. And he is completely aware of everything that's going on around him. Even his mother standing off in the corner in the shadows, weeping and watching all of this happen. And Jesus not only knows what's happening, he focuses on this moment in your life. As I've been saying, he knew that in a matter of days, both Mary and his brothers would more fully understand his identity and his mission. He knew that his, his brothers were about to become believers. But because Mary was alone in this moment, 
he acted to give her comfort. And Jesus knows what's going on in this moment in your life too. And he wants to speak his grace into your heart and your life. Shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Do you remember the context of that? His good friend Lazarus had died and from the moment Jesus got the message, he knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to bring him back to life. But when he entered this cemetery, there were people who were wailing and crying and, and, and grieving heavily. At, you know, if I'd have been Jesus, I'd have been pretty smug. I just walked in that cemetery confidently and I said, hey, watch this. Lazarus, come out. But Jesus entered into their grief even though he knew that in a matter of moments he was going to make that pronouncement and all heaven was going to break out. And he spent a moment to grieve with them, to cry with them. And even though Jesus knows the future, he's able to enter this moment in your life. That is so amazing, so remarkable, such a blessing for me. But it's just like Jesus, isn't it? Even though he knows your future, he also deals with you in the present. And he knew, at least for this day, that Mary was alone. And so he took time while he's hanging on the cross to make sure she was cared for. And he commissioned one of his disciples with the task of caring for her that day. So remember, just because Jesus knows the future doesn't mean he can't live with you in the moment. And even though he was hanging on the cross that day, Jesus knew that he was about to win and because Jesus won in the end, we win too. I guess one of the advantages of knowing what's going to happen in the future is that you can be amazingly patient in the present. But even with his own family, Jesus was able to deal with the drama because he knew he won in the end. You know, if we really believe our eternal destiny, it puts everything that happens in this moment in context. I, I have a favorite Christmas song. And you could guess all day long and you wouldn't know what it was. It's sung by a group called For Him. And the title of it is, In Your Care. Uh, the lyric starts out by imagining Jesus in heaven getting ready to come down to earth. The creator is about to become the created. And as he's up in heaven, he's looking down on Mary and Joseph and he's musing about the fact that, that he's going to join the human experience as an infant and he looks down and he says to them, I'll be in your care. 
I'm trusting myself to you. And the song goes on and and recites so many things that happens in Jesus' life and it ends with Mary standing in front of him as he's hanging on the cross with all of those questions going on. And the chorus changes. And he looks down to Mary and in his mind he says, you'll be in my care. That from now on, I'll be the one who is watching over you, caring for you, loving you. What a, what a powerful reminder of how our Lord loves and cares for us. On that bleak Friday afternoon, while he's literally dying for the sins of the whole world, Jesus took time to care for his mother. You know, we sang that song earlier today, that I'm on his mind. I believe that wholeheartedly because Jesus has this infinite mind as the creator God of the universe. He can have have a personal relationship with every one of us all at the same time. None of the rest of us could ever dream of accomplishing that. But that's who Jesus is. And he really wanted for Mary for his brothers, for you and me to know that everyone who believes in him will be in his care all the way into eternity. Well, it's time for us to make some personal application. Is your family messed up? Uh, If it is, welcome to Jesus Club. Because his was too. We all have families. Through the years, Cheryl and I have had this ongoing contest. And it's just simply this. Whose family is weirder, hers or mine? And for a while, mine would surge ahead. And then it would be her turn. I remember hanging up after a conversation with her parents, learning about some family drama, and I just turned to her and said, you've got it for at least a half a decade. <laughs> we, we all have families. And, and whatever your family life is like, you can know this. Jesus understands. He knows your future, but what he's most interested in is walking with you today. Even in the middle of the drama produced by that wacky, mixed-up family of yours, he wants you to know that you can have peace, that you can live with integrity, that you can rise above the fray, that you can discover how best to love everyone in your families. And when I say everyone, I mean even the crazies. And by the way, if you don't think there's anybody crazy in your family, it's probably you. (laughs) So remember that reality. that, That Jesus wants you engaged with your family. But here's the key. You will love them best... (laughs) 
when you put Jesus first. When you love Jesus first, it changes everything. Remember this simple definition for an idol. An idol is anything that rises to the top of your priority structure, whatever's most important to you. And for some people, that's even their families. And part of the dysfunction has to do with the fact that they are not loving Jesus first. Make that your priority. And God will use you to bless your own family. Isn't it amazing that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he took time to care for his own family? Uh, I have a hunch your life is probably not as tough as Jesus was. Uh, But I also know that we are all called to love and care for our families, to live in integrity and to make decisions that's best for them. Now, now here's the trick. Sometimes the members of your family think that what is best for them is what they want. But your task is to love Jesus first and then do what's best. Well, I could go on and on about this this morning, but I think you get it. Jesus has called us to live with grace, with strength, with help, with hope, and with faith, especially in our family lives. May that be said of you. Lord, thank you for these moments in your presence today. Uh, Thanks for allowing us to review this important reality that sometimes we forget. We all have families, and Jesus had one too. So help us, help us to live with grace and integrity. Help us to take our commitment to you and apply it to maybe the hardest part of life and that's what happens in our own families. But we're so thankful for the fact that our faith calls us to real life in real situations and that Jesus modeled it so wonderfully for us. Help us to live it out, we pray. In his name, amen. and welcome back to the Galleon Grace Point podcast. Um, you know, I was just discussing with this week's guest how uh, kind of the format of the podcast goes, but uh, I'm probably not going to be able to touch a ton on the, uh, the sermon this week because I even told Paul and Josh and Amanda at the basketball games this week, and I kind of, uh, I kind of already did that last week, you know, um, all about forgiveness last week and was kind of talking about the thoughts I had on it and, you know, with family and everything. And that was really the gist of this sermon is everyone has a family. Jesus has a family. You know, uh, 
uh, Paul was talking about during the sermon about how Jesus was really kind of coerced into his first uh, miracle by by his mother um, to turn the water into wine. <laughs> and uh, so it was, uh, everyone has a family is really the gist of it, but just showing grace in those circumstances with your family and uh, always being forgiving. And, you know, kind of like I said last week, it it is also okay. You, you've got to live your life for Jesus first. So we all have a family. We can all be forgiving. We can all show grace. Um, unfortunately, at times there's going to be instances where you can't. There's family members that aren't living the way um, that you're living and keeping the main thing the main thing. Doesn't mean that you don't love them. Doesn't mean that you don't show them grace. But, you know, there could be a fence up for a little while until they're ready to um, approach your life that way. But everyone has a family. Jesus had a family. And, uh, like I said, uh, me and Phil kind of went about 15 minutes on it last week. And as soon as I heard, as soon as I, uh, was hearing the sermon Sunday, I knew I was like, oh man, I, uh, I really got to step ahead of myself there. So, um, but yeah, with that, um, the only other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the interview with this week's guest is I've mentioned quite a few times here and at Bible study, um, to keep London and her sister, um, in your prayers, my wife's student and her sister, um, so I've got a really good update. Uh, my wife saw London today. London rang the bell for being cancer-free and done with treatment yesterday. Her sister did, I believe, the week before. Both are cancer-free. Um, praise the Lord for that. It's it's awesome. Uh, my wife uh, told me that she's gained her weight back. You know, she was getting really thin from the treatment and has gained, gained some weight back and is doing really, really well. Um, and it was really beautiful because... They all wore pink to school yesterday and were able to live stream in the gymnasium, London ringing the bell, and she got to see uh, the pictures and the video there of all of her classmates and friends and teachers and therapists and everybody supporting her. So I appreciate everybody for keeping London and her sister, um, Carly, in your prayers, and I uh, just wanted to give you that little update. So um, we're going to get into the interview now, and uh, this week's guest is Superintendent of Colonel Crawford Local Schools, Todd Martin. Um so welcome, Todd. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. So, you know, I kind of, I know you listen um, and you know some people here. Um, so basically, I would tell me a little bit about your early life and growing up and your faith development. Well, I grew up as a Colonel Crawford Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Sulphur Springs, later to North Robinson Building. Uh, grew up loving sports. Uh, my family, uh, I have two sisters, Candy and Angie, uh, my mom and dad, Bill and Jane, we did the Catholic church growing mm -hmm. up. So I was, uh, they called it uh, catechism. Uh, yep. I went through in yep. New Washington. So okay. I went through St. Bernard's. St. Bernard's, yeah. Went through all that. And, you know, fast forward to high school. Probably wasn't as uh, devout in my worship as I should have been at that mm -hmm. age. I was more into uh, basketball, baseball, you know, out in the out in the driveway, taking on any challengers one-on-one -on, -one on the basketball court. Right, yeah. You know, a transition. We we had some really good basketball teams. My I was fortunate enough to play with a couple of good groups. So Crawford hadn't had a winning season in probably twenty years at that point. It's been, it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. We won back to back NCC titles, sectional titles, almost went undefeated my senior year. And yeah. It was a good experience, which led me then to to where I think God placed me. I think if I'd have went to a state school for college, uh, at that point in my life I, I don't know that I'd have made it through. Yeah. Because yeah. my priorities were not in, in line. Right, absolutely. So, you know, my path took me to Malone College. Okay. Which is a Christian school. Okay. For a basketball partial basketball scholarship and 
played for a coach who was a devout Christian okay. and just a, a wonderful human being. And I think he planted a seed there to, to bring me back. And yeah. I'm sure he didn't know it, and I didn't know it at the <laughs> Right, time. right, right. Because I, I later saw him in life. We had beat Cleveland State. Uh, it's my senior year, okay. upset a Division One school. Yeah, uh, we were ranked, playing pretty well, and we had our 25th anniversary where they brought us back, honored the team that did that, honored the season, and at the banquet he stood up and he goes, the, uh, "God works in mysterious ways. The Lord is good." <laughs> if you'd have told me Todd Martin would become a superintendent, <laughs> I would say it would have taken an act of God. Yeah, so it, it's funny how our path where it takes us. It and, really is. Yeah, you know that took me into education after I got out of basketball. I, Started coaching a little bit, middle school, and, you know, gained a love for coaching basketball. I yeah. coached at Clear Fork, uh, JV basketball for seven years, assistant varsity. We had some really good teams there. Yeah. Worked with a great guy named Kevin Logston, okay. who uh, I have a great friendship to this day. And opportunity came that uh, Bucyrus needed a head coach, yeah. and they had some pretty good teams. So I took a leap of faith and came back to Crawford County. Mm-hmm. Little did I know it that clear fork would win the state title that next year oh no kidding so i had to watch from the cheap oh, seats geez. as they won the basketball division three championship which Absolutely. was pretty amazing in itself but yeah i had a great opportunity to be cyrus uh coached a ncc championship team the first they'd had since 67 and they haven't done it since but it was a really good group of kids yeah. i can't take credit for it right place right time right right, right group yeah. right chemistry so it was a it was a great opportunity which after Bucyrus, I took my first administrative job at uh, Ontario, mm-hmm. became an assistant principal, and fell in love with the administration from that point on. Okay. You know, and I, I told you a story at one point, I had a little excitement six months into that job. Yeah. We had a hostage situation. Mm-hmm. You know, long story short, we got, we got lucky, got the girl out of the situation, but I got stabbed in the process, and ended up they always say the slowest guy in the herd got stabbed which was me <laughs> but everything turned out really well in that situation everybody went home safe yeah obviously the young man was prosecuted and you know things went on from there just a few stitches a few stitches <laughs> yeah a little bit of growing pain but you know it was good and god was with us th- that that day for sure yeah absolutely what you year know, would that have been that would have been 2007 2007 okay yeah, january 7th 2007 yeah i bet you don't forget yeah i don't forget that yeah Every it's kind of crazy though because i would have yeah I, I i don't recall that situation i i you know kind of loosely known the story just you know from experiencing experiences with you and conversations but i i, I don't recall you know because I, I was in school at that time i would have Maybe it was just in, in one ear and out the other, I guess. I, I don't recall it um, from that time, but kind of a crazy, crazy story. <laughs> well, I remember calling my wife and saying, hey, you're going to hear something on the news. Don't panic. I got stabbed. <laughs> what? <laughs> but it's okay. I'm going to be okay. Just I'm another like, day at the office. <laughs> exactly. You know, the Lord has blessed me in every facet of my life. Yeah. From my career, you know, to, to the influence I'm allowed to have upon people. Yeah. To my wonderful family, to my wife. Of 31 years, Heather, who puts up with me, and <laughs> she uh, calls herself the unpaid assistant superintendent of right, Crawford. Yeah, absolutely. And she, she probably might be. She runs our social media page. Well, and I see her there at all the <clears> events, <throat> too, and uh, even non-Colonel Crawford events. My sister told me that you guys were at uh, one of her track meets uh, either last weekend or the weekend yeah, before. Yeah, we, like, we try to, her and I, we like to try to get away and see the kids at college. Yeah. To see how they're doing. And we had an opportunity to see a number of kids there so yeah. we said let's jump in a car and let's go do it yeah absolutely that's that's awesome and you, you'll see these guys at a little bit of anything you know fourth grade basketball games you've got uh, like i said my sister who's in college running and you'll see them at a little bit of everything heather does a great job too 
Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, you said you fell in love with administration. What, what was it about that that really attracted you to administration that you liked so much about it? You know, I think, I think it is that uh, in, in teaching, you have control of your classroom, your group of kids. Mm-hmm. In administration, you have control over a lot more. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to get your influence, you want to, you know, my model is always model the behavior you expect of others. Yeah. You're a, you're on a stage to model to mm-hmm. more people. Okay. And I, and I take that very serious every day. I try to model every day for the kids and my staff. Yeah. This is how, this is how you should behave. You should have a smile on your face. Yep. You should greet life. Yeah, absolutely. Every morning, you know, be grateful that you you have the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely say that that is a fact because uh, he's always out there quite a bit during uh, drop-off, and I always drop my son off on uh, my day off each week, and he's always out there with what I'm assuming is his coffee in his hand and uh, and a smile. Coffee so, with honey. Yeah, yep. there we go. There we go. Um, so when, when was it that you – so 07 was the stabbing at Ontario. Was it 09 when you went to Colonel Crawford? 09, I became the high school principal mm-hmm. at Colonel Crawford, and, you know, with any transition – it was a learning curve. Yeah. Learning the t- t- traditions had changed a little bit, but not too much. Yeah. Uh, I, I hit the ground running because I knew a lot of the parents. Right. I ran around with the parents. Yeah. So it was a it was a good fit. Yeah. Right out of the gate, it was a great fit. Yeah. For and me. obviously, you're you know graduate from there and everything. So so you would have came in probably right after you, I think. Yeah. Right after me. Well, no, you were principal. I was at Pioneer. Okay. Yeah, I was at Pioneer. Um, but I was gonna say I think you would have came in. Um, a year after we hired Tag, or was yes. he? Yes, okay, he, yeah. Koshegovic was there before I got. Okay, there. okay, that's what I thought. So, um, and then it would have been twelve or thirteen when you took over as superintendent. Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. I did three years as high school principal, and then Mr. Bruner pulled me in one day, and here's the interview. He said, "I need you to be superintendent." <laughs> and, and at one point, I said. But I don't want to be superintendent. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy to be principal because I need you to be superintendent. So no one wants to let Ted Bruner down. Right, right, right. right. Absolutely. So I, I said I embraced it and got my certification and started what has become probably the most incredible position I've ever had in my life. Yeah, As absolutely. superintendent of Colonel Crawford for 12 years. Well, and you've done an excellent job, um, you know. Uh, he'll, he'll touch on it here later in the podcast or maybe even now, but uh, – you're definitely going to be missed. It's a, it's a bummer. Uh, it's a bummer that uh, you'll be taking another position because um, I know I speak for a lot of families uh, at the school and in the community. In the community that uh, you're you're a safety blanket, your comfort. Um, I I always I always know you're reliable. You're. I appreciate everything you've done in your time there. Not just, you know, back when I was in school, obviously, you know, you weren't superintendent at that point, but, um, for my son and everyone in the community, you've done an excellent job and you definitely will be missed, but, uh, I'll let you touch on what's next. I appreciate that. You, I don't know if you remember that one time you, you said to me, I was lucky that I didn't have you cause you gave me a run for my money. Yeah. You made that comment to me. <laughs> yes, at one point. I do. I do. I believe it was at my sister's graduation party. Actually. My how times have changed. <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was approached uh, oh, some months back by uh, Brenda Luring at uh, North Central Ohio ESC superintendent, uh, wanting to know if I'd entertain the idea to be their deputy superintendent with the uh, the thought in mind to replace her when she retires. At first, I I wasn't really into it because I know what I have is good. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a great support in our community. I have, I have a great staff, great kids, great admin, great board. Yeah. So it'd be, really be a leap of faith to do this, but you know, the more I thought about it, 
they have such a large footprint. Mm-hmm. And I and I told you the opportunity to get on a stage and model the behavior. It the stage just got a little bit bigger. Right, and I thought, right. you know what, this is a good opportunity. Yep. I'm still young enough. I have energy. This is going to sharpen my saw. Yeah, get me motivated <laughs> yeah. again. And well, we're going to start at Tiffin. Uh, I'll be in the Tiffin office starting August first. Okay, August first. But Crawford is one of the member schools, so I will still be in a capacity working with Colonel Crawford. Awesome, so awesome. The what ties all, aren't cut. What all schools does that entail? Oh, there's 25 of them. Oh, 25, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big, and it goes, uh, some some charter schools go from, you know, up around Cleveland okay. down to Columbus. It's a large footprint. Okay, it's, is Colonel Crawford the only one in our Crawford, area? Crawford, Buckeye, Winford are from Crawford okay. County. Okay. I mean, you got Ontario, Shelby, and Richland, and then oh, you okay. got pretty much all, except for Marion Harding, the Marion schools, okay. Seneca schools. Okay. I mean, it's... Well, Shelby, Why not? Uh, it's a big, it's a big footprint. Yeah, Tiffin. With, with Shelby, I might see you when I'm at work. Then <laughs> see you at work and at basketball games. You never know where I'll be. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and that's what you want to keep kids uh, with the superintendent. He's he's always lurking. He's always watching. So you never know where he'll be. Well, this new job gives me opportunity to, you know, there's not as much night demand, weekend demand. I can spend more time with my family. Yeah. You know, my middle child Brody, my son, and his wife Ashton had their my first grandbaby. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tatum. So. I'll have an opportunity to, 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 you know, watch her grow a little bit right. more, yeah. visit my son Clay in, in Washington, D.C., yeah. and, you know, watch my daughter in the nursing program. So it's it's going to be, give me more family time, too. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask really ask next is, uh, you know, I know, um, was it Brody that went into the military? I have two. I okay. had my son Clay went into the Army. He okay. did a tour in Iraq for 10 months, which had my wife on pins and needles I every bet. night. Uh, Brody did the Coast Guard. Did, did he ever, like, write a letter home and be like, don't worry, I got stabbed? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he'd give us a phone call. Hey, we're, I'm going to be going somewhere where we won't be able to talk, so you won't hear from me for about a month. Oh, jeez. We'd get that call. Yeah, that's a so, rough one, especially yeah. for a mother, I bet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of anxiety there. Yep. So, we're, yeah, we're the proud parents of two military boys. Yeah. You know, Clay now has a job I can't really talk about in okay. D.C. Okay, okay. And Brody uh, is with the Ontario Police Department full okay. time. So awesome! It's very cool. And you said your daughter's in the nursing program. She is going into the nursing program. She left Bluffton. Okay. With a marketing major, she's going to because she felt a passion to get in nursing. So she's okay. going to go through North Central State and get into nursing. Yeah. Take care of me in my old age. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then also <laughs> with having that marketing background, there's uh, you know a lot of different opportunities that can arise from that too. Sure. Yeah. So um, my next question is, you know. Through all these different phases of going from a teacher to a principal to superintendent to your new role overseeing 25 schools, you know, how I'm imagining there was a lot of prayer and, you know, trying to figure out the, the next step. But, you know, the Lord opens a door. You want to walk through it. So Correct. how 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 did your faith, you know, truly walk you through all those transitions in life? I would say my my wife is probably the, the guiding force that pulled me back into the church. OK, we got married at a Baptist church. OK. And then we were discussing what church we would make our own, mm-hmm. and she, you know, I grew up Catholic, and, yeah. but I hadn't really, uh, since college, hadn't really gone back to the Catholic church because I was at Malone going to their church. Right, right. Well, she was passionate about the Nazarene church, mm-hmm. and she'd grown up as a kid, and I went, and you said, you know what, let's do it. And right. That's kind of been our mold ever since, and I'm a, I'm a man of routine. Yeah. I get up at 4.45 in the morning, let the dogs out, get my coffee, work out. Yep. And then I, I have a prayer life on the way to school. Okay. You know, and, and most of my prayer life I find nowadays is, is uh, thanking. Yeah. You know, I'm not asking for anything. Right. Most of the time, I'm, I'm thanking for what I got. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, mean, I look at my kids, my family, yes. everything God's given me. Yep. 
Well, I, I could go on, on forever just thanking you. <laughs> I know, it's insane. You know, and forget all about asking for anything else. Exactly. I have everything I need. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I just, I, and that's kind of how I look at, you know, your career thus far. Like I said, is, you know, there's been a door open for you and let's take that challenge. Who can I affect? And that's how it's always been. Mm-hmm. It just, it seems like I'm not looking. It just, it just comes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Being there at the right moment, right place, right time. The Lord's going to have you there. Yep. Um, so how is that, you know, I, I've talked to Scott Tienemeyer on here and Tim Bell, um, you know, and my question and multiple teachers that from other schools, but how, uh, how are you able to, as superintendent, um, talk about faith with students? Um, I know it can be difficult in public schools, you know, with it not being a, an actual Christian school, but how are you able to spread the word and spread your faith without, you know, overstepping a boundary in public schools? I think the big thing that I try to do is I try to live it. Yeah. I try to live that example. Yep. You know, I don't make judgments on a kid. If they have a, an alternative lifestyle, mm-hmm. I embrace them. Mm-hmm. I try to embrace them all. Right. And I try to get that across to my staff. If you want to win somebody over, yep. w- walk walk the talk, yep. as they say. <laughs> yep. You know, don't don't talk it and not walk it. So right. I just try to I try to live by that example. A lot of kids see me at church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's in the, uh, in the hallway now you hear kids, hey, Mr. Marty, going to be at church on Sunday? Right. I'll be there. I'll be there. And, you know, and so I think that's kind of how it starts. Yeah. I don't engage the conversation, mm-hmm. but I don't back away from it if right. they ask me questions. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and um, Scott kind of touched on that a lot, too. You know, I, I don't preach it, but I can, you know, and that's really, you know, kind of that line like there, you know, like I'm not going to preach it and bring it up, but if they have questions, of course we can answer that. And I think uh, a lot more questions are being asked now with things like LifeWise and Young Life. Um, and so were you superintendent or yeah you would have been superintendent when that really became a thing at colonel crawford right? yeah when they ruled out uh lifewise in the county i was part of the initial meetings okay with the superintendents yeah uh i remember it, we had a meeting at baker's oh okay <laughs> had, they had pizza for us and they uh spelled out their vision for yeah. the program and it sounded good and it started with one grade then two grades and three grades and you know we're not allowed to to promote or anything right you know we let them know that the opportunity is there and if the parents you want to do it, sign your child up and a lot of kids do it. It's, yeah, yeah, it's really exploded. I know it, it, it's crazy and it's spreading. You know, I keep using like a spider web as my example, but you know, Galleon's got it now. Um, I believe be Cyrus as well. It's, it's really spreading out and it kind of sounds like it's all becoming like one hub now that they can yep. all discuss, you know, the lessons and how they go from there. And Scott had uh, given an example. I don't know if you heard that, but he said, you know, what some of the extra recesses they have for the elementary that, uh, they don't have the balls out, you know, uh, at those extra recesses and stuff. But a lot of kids have been bringing their Bibles that they get at LifeWise. And so it's, it's really cool to see that happen. And it's awesome because, you know, and I don't have another real comparison to go off of other than Colonel Crawford, you know, maybe Pioneer, but that's a, a, a different thing. And with a rural school and the beliefs of the community um, between faith and, you know, politics and everything, it seems like and it, this could just be me looking at it this way, but it definitely seems like everybody, not everybody, but the majority at Colonel Crawford is on board with everything that's going on with LifeWise and kind of on the same page, in my opinion. The district is very conservative. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of mom and dads who feel, you know, the way that you're talking, the way that I'm talking. Yeah. Now, you're going to have those families that don't. Right. You know, and, and part of my mission as a leader of a district is to make sure 
they don't feel alienated. They don't Correct. feel signaled out. Yeah. You know, and I, I preach to my staff every, every in-service start to school year out. Yep. I preach. You have an opportunity to, to do one of two things. You could come into your classroom with a positive attitude and create a positive environment, or you can come in the opposite and create that environment. Right. We want to create that positive environment. And I don't care what a kid believes or not believes. Yeah. You need to embrace them. And you need to love them. Right, absolutely. You know, if you want to win a kid over, you're going to do it through love. It's yes. not going to be through, you know, I disagree with you and wagging your finger I'm going to treat it. you differently. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Absolutely not. And they're also kids, you know. They've Correct. got plenty of time to to adapt, you know. Uh, like you said, when I told you I'd give you, <laughs> you'd give me a run for my money, it's... Uh, you know, totally different person when you're in high school, just like oh, you yeah. said, when you, you know, if you would have went off to a state school, what, what would have been at that point? And you had a coach that had that influence in your life. And same with me with coach Tig. I mean, he, oh, you know, I've, I've talked on it so many times on here about the influence he's had on my life. And just when you were talking about, you know, treating all kids the same and everything, I, I've told the story on here, but when he passed, I remember there was a, a student that had commented on like one of the news article uh, comment sections or something. And the thing that they put on there is like him and I, you know, talking, this is from this kid's uh, sure. point of view, uh, him and I couldn't have disagreed more on most things, you know, political views, religious views, but he would have a discussion with me and we respected each other. And that's, that's what they loved most about Teg. And um, definitely seems like that's the approach you take to it as well. And, and Teg had a big influence upon me. He was that figure that I think everybody looked up to Yeah, because he walked the talk. He did. And, and if I was having a bad day, a lot of times that's where I'd go. I'd yeah. go to his office, shut the door, and he and I would just chat. And he just had a way of bringing you out of it. He really did. <laughs> see, you'd see big picture. Yeah. You'd go in there thinking small picture, come out thinking big picture. Yeah. So, when, you know, it's ironic how all that played out because I found that I had cancer in 2020. Yeah. And I remember sitting in an office with him, and he's talking about pains he's having. I'm like, well, you probably should get checked out, man. Yeah. I'm having surgery here in, uh, in a month. Yeah. And I remember waking up from my, my prostate surgery. I had surgery on it, and it was successful. Yep. You know, praise the Lord, he delivered again for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And I got the text message on my bed as I was waking up, and I think it was Mr. Bruner said, hey, horrible news. Teg's got pancreatic cancer. So yeah. Holy cow, how yeah. can this be? Because, yeah. man, you talk about walking faith. Yeah. He walked the faith. Yes, he did. He ate right. He exercised. He, you know, it's just, we don't understand the big picture. The picture is huge. <clears throat> we just don't understand it. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Um, after after uh, Cheryl had passed away, we were at one of our, Pastor Paul's wife, um, we were at one of the Bible studies down here, and I just, uh, you know, I, di I didn't know Cheryl real well. You know, we've only been coming to this church for a few years, and she had been ill, you know, pretty much from the time we had started coming, and I just remember I, I was walking my route one day and just thinking, you know, Teg and Cheryl and all these people, why are these, why are these bad things happening to really, really mm -hmm. good people? And, um, I, I think the thing that I came up, you know, um, a God has a plan, but in it, uh, pastor Paul had kind of said that, you know, God has a plan. God has a plan. People are going to say that to you, you know, at, at his wife's funeral and stuff. And, you know, he was talking to other families that were going through it and he's like, listen, when, no one means bad when they're saying that, that they don't know what to say. But unfortunately, there are things in this world, you know, free will is uh, what was imposed for a reason. Um, things that we breathe in, things that we ingest in our bodies that uh, you may not even know you're doing, you know, um, like you said, tag eight, right, worked out, um, you know, wasn't a wasn't a drinker, wasn't a smoker, none of that. And unfortunately, those things will happen. But uh, 
we will meet again. That's uh, that's the positive thing, you know. I yep. I kind of went on a long time about him in the podcast with uh, Coach Sheldon, and uh, I was I, I stop in at the bakery quite often. Um, you know, it's it's kind of hard driving past it and not going in because their food is so good. So <laughs> I, I, I have heard. I've, yeah. had, I've had samples of it. Well, yeah. now that you're going to be in Shelby sometime, you, you know, with the Shelby schools being on there, you can pop in and get some. Um, it's it's really good. But uh, I popped in and was talking about the podcast with Sheldon. And then uh, the next time I went in, uh, one of his daughters said she goes, I, you know, she really enjoyed the podcast. And she, I guess she started coaching volleyball. And she said, uh, kind of reminded me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so it's awesome. Um yeah, he's he's definitely been missed, but it's nice to see, you know, that's why I said you're kind of the, the comfort blanket there for all these families because, you know, Teg's gone and uh, he wasn't just a football coach and teacher, you know, he, he, he helped out so many students and it's been great because you have, you've, you know, no one's ever going to replace Teg, you know, that's, no, that's, I agree. that's, I agree. that's a job that can't be done, but uh, I think you've done as close to a job as, as humanly possible. And I appreciate that. Well, that's the ultimate compliment for me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, uh, I, I can't replace the, the feelings that I get from these kids each day. I'm, I had a kid come up to me uh, just yesterday. It's hilarious. Just a little guy. I always fist bump. Yeah. So kids are fist bumping me left and right. Yeah. So he comes up to me in front of a couple other staff members and fist, bump me, fist bumps me and says, Mr. Martin, can't you just stay one more year? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, you about broke my oh, heart. I I'm like, dude, don't oh, do that don't to do me. Don't do it to me. I'll pop in and see you. Yeah. yeah. That, that part uh, definitely stinks of that. But uh, so what uh, What else are you into? I know that you're a huge Buckeyes fan. Um, countless times, you know, when there's games going on, like, you know, with the elementary games, he'll be in his superintendent office there and got his dog in there and watching a Buckeyes game. <laughs> you know, it's funny about that dog. I get that dog for Christmas and I, I worked on my wife for about a year and a half to get another big dog. Yeah. She finally gave in and, but it, we found out it turned out to be a breed that you have to socialize. It's a, it's a Cane Corso or okay. you just got a guard dog. So yeah. I brought him to school every day over Christmas break and yep. throughout the spring. He knew all the kids. Yep. He's still to a point. I probably can't bring him back into my office. <laughs> oh geez. Yeah. But no, it's, it, it's been quite a run. I, I I was asked, what would you do different to go back and do your career? And I'll be honest, I don't think I'd do one thing different. Yeah. Every place I've been has had an impact and changed me. I, I, I did two years at Mansfield City Alternative School early okay. in my career. And there were some very, very challenging personalities. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. uh, I had some kids who had committed some serious felonies. Right. And the two years that I survived in there, and I say survived. And I tell you, after about the first week, I, w- I came home, told my wife, said, honey, I don't know if I can survive in this environment <laughs> unless I'm in karate. So for the next two years of my life, I studied Kempo karate. Did you really? Just so okay. I could survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, once I left that job, I realized that really molded me. Yeah. Because, you know, at Colonel Crawford, teacher will come to me with, a, oh, this is a horrible. And to them, it's a horrible problem at the time. Right, you know, right. It's a big deal. Right. But I think I have a perspective now. I've seen big problems. I've yeah. been tackled, punched, and stabbed. Yeah, exactly. I can say. You know, you reflect on it in 24 hours from now, it's not going to be a big problem. Right. You know? Yep. See it, see the big picture. I think I bring that perspective yeah. to the job. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of goes back to uh, the, the whole sermon and, you know, everyone's got families and everything. But, you know, I, I touched on it last week. I said, I've gotten to this point in my life where, you know, everybody's got those squabbles with their family and their friends. But I, I think the way you put it right there and the way I said it last week is, in the grand scheme of things, does this matter? Is this is this really a, a life-altering thing that I, I should be frustrated about or letting ruin my day? Or, you know, everybody's got, you know, when you feel the stress, like, 
I, maybe I should just let this one go. Like, and so, you know, like you said, I've been stabbed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so in the grand scheme Tuck of things, it ain't that, that bad. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. It really, really is. But yeah. Um, I know you, like I said, I know you're a big Buckeyes fan, love basketball. What are your other, uh, your other interests outside of, you know, work and, uh, going to church on Sunday? What other, what other things are you into? In, I really in love to exercise. Yeah. You know, I, I like the P90 series, P90X3. Okay. Yeah. I like the lift four series. Okay. I like a lot of the beach body stuff. Okay. I feel that when I'm working out and then I start my day with a workout and prayer, I end my day doing my devotional at night. Yeah. I just feel sharp. Yeah. You know, if I miss either one of those pieces of my day, I just don't feel Something sharp. Something doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah. You know? Yep. I, I, I do the yoga thing a couple days a week okay. to stretch these old bones out. <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just trying to make the most of every day. Yeah. Every day I have. Absolutely. You know, I enjoy mentoring. I, I've mentored uh, younger superintendents through a program uh, through Columbus called BASA Mentoring. Okay. So they'll, they've assigned me a superintendent here, a superintendent there. And I just try to share experiences. Yeah. You know, and one of the, the greatest lessons from Stephen Covey's book, I believe it's it's habit number one, the most important one, is be proactive. Uh-huh. And I try to get people to understand it. Proactive meaning I don't care what's going on around you, the weather, grumpy staff members in the break room, whatever it is, that doesn't impact how you can approach life. Right. It's a choice. Yep. You can react to it and become them, or you can choose to not and yeah. be positive, be that light in the classroom, be that that person that that kid needs who just doesn't fit in anywhere else right but your classroom yes or your building yes so i mean i found myself reading more and more books now yeah i I thrive on reading books and i journal when i read okay so i'll read a book like i just finished john maxwell's leadership okay an amazing book on leadership okay and i journaled my 20 high points out of that book so i can refer back yeah if i mentor somebody yeah hey here's some points that i took that are really really good yeah so and i encourage anybody my mission now, I want to I want to read 12 books a year. Okay. I think that's a good number, 12 yeah. books. Yeah. And, and I think if you don't, you're not growing. Yeah. You know, I don't care what life, walk of life you're in. There's a book for you out there yeah. that will better you, will yeah. convict you, and make you reflect. Yeah, absolutely there is. I, I, I'm getting too deep here. Anyway. No, 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 no. You're 100%. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get more into reading more. You know, we uh, I picked up a couple of the Tebow books and... Um, just read uh, another one by Phil Robertson, and I think he's got a new one coming out, actually. But uh, it might have just came out because I'm, I'm a big fan of the Unashamed podcast. I listen to sure. them, um, quite a few of them. But uh, what would you? Uh, wh- what are some other books that you might recommend? Well, I like Stephen Covey. I, I, I like uh, Maxwell. I like there's a book called, and it's a short read called Lessons from the Mouse. And it talks about how Disney people are taught to make a, a special day for every person they see. Yeah. You know, a kid drops an ice cream cone, rush and get him a new one. Right. Somebody walks within 10 feet of you, acknowledge them. Yeah. If they're close enough to pat, pat them. But don't let anybody go in not unacknowledged. Yeah. I think that's huge in school. Yeah. You know, and, and I think anybody that knows me will tell you, if I'm in a conversation with you and a kid's walking by, I'm going to disengage you for a second and say, hey, how you doing today? Having a good morning? And then I'll re-engage you. Yeah. I think it's the way it should be. Yeah. What drives me nuts when you watch people. They're engaged in conversation, and they see you, but they deliberately look like they don't see you because they don't want to miss any of this conversation. Right, okay. I think any opportunity you miss to, to acknowledge somebody, you, you've just uh, – it's like a strike in baseball. Yeah. You know, you're, close, you're getting closer to striking out. Yeah, I like that. Take That's... advantage of every opportunity. When they have a thing that I, I talked to the teachers about when I first read that book, Lessons from the Miles. Uh-huh. It said, any organization, you want to highlight your, your good points. Yeah. You don't want to highlight – Every, everybody has family growing pains. Mm-hmm. I don't care what organization, what school. If you say you don't, 
you, you have your head in the sand. Right, right, right. But the key is, in this book says, showcase your what's good. And yeah. if you, you read any of my posts on our app, on Facebook, it's positive stuff. Yeah. Everything else, the bickering, the negotiating, we should call it, yeah. behind the curtain. Yep. Keep that behind the curtain. That's a great idea. Solve your issues. Bring your good presence back on stage. And that, that point really resonated with me when I read that book. Yeah, I like that a lot, too. I might actually look into that because it's funny. As you were saying it, I remember the first time we had taken um, Brantley to Disney World. We Our takeaway from that was everybody's in a great mood here. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we said that. Like, it was the best experience that we had had. And, uh, yeah, so I, I guess I never really thought of it that way. Is just kind of the same mantra, you know, just... Let's make everybody's day that way. Make them, make them have the best experience possible. Absolutely. You know, coworkers. Um, you know, I guess I can work for me when I'm on uh, people's front porch uh, delivering their Amazon packages. So I, I like that. I'm gonna look into that. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, God gave me the gift of uh, short mem- short term memory. Okay. I I can't. I can honestly look at you and say I, there's not one person I can think that I dislike. Okay. You know, I've had arguments, disagreements, but I can't really say that there's some person out there I really don't like. Yeah. And I think that's a blessing. Not yeah. Everybody has that. No. And, you know, I could just as easy have a long-term memory and hold grudges. But right. Absolutely. It's never been my style. Here's a book for you. Have you read uh, The Coffee Bean? I have not. I haven't even heard of oh, it. Oh, it's a simple read. Takes you about an hour and you're done. Okay. We went through the COVID situation at school and staff morale was at its lowest. Yeah. Because everybody was working twice as hard doing the video series, trying to catch up with kids around school, trying to keep current. Teachers worked harder than mm-hmm. they ever worked, and I applaud my group. You know, I could see it in their faces. So I ordered uh, enough books for all my staff. Yeah, yeah. Put a little message in it. Basically, the coffee bean concept is you have three choices. You could be a carrot. What happens to a carrot when it goes into boiling water? It gets, it gets soft, soft yeah. defeated. It's much like life. You can't take it. You just kind of check out. Yeah. What happens when you throw an egg in that boiling water? It hardens. It becomes hard. Yeah. yeah. It hardens. It becomes bitter. What happens when you put a coffee bean in the water? It, it stays the same, doesn't it, it in makes water? everything around it better. Okay. It okay. makes the water <laughs> a flavorable drink. Okay. It not yeah, only impacts yeah. itself, it impacts its environment. Okay, yeah. So it's a simple message, but, you know, and that's one of those books that I really... It's like a child book, but the concept is so good if you really get lost in it. Okay, yeah. And, and that resonated because I had just gone through my cancer at that time. Yeah, yeah. So I needed that message. Right. You know, just as much as anybody else did. Well, yeah, and it was such a tough time for everybody. I mean, uh, it's kind of weird reflecting on it now. I've touched on it a few times. And to me, um, it does seem like a lot more people have developed their journey into their faith since COVID. Um I don't really know the true reason why. Um, I don't know if people had more time to read or maybe people were looking for more answers at that time. But to me, it seems like since then, I've noticed um, more people in my age group. um, And it doesn't always have to be the faith aspect. Um, I've noticed that a lot, but I've just noticed people making more positive changes in their life since. And I think the only takeaway I can get from it as to a reason why is, you know, we were sequestered. We were, we were stuck and it was like, man, I have way more potential and there's way more out there than these four walls that I'm stuck to, you know, um, doing, uh, not, the I can't remember what we were terming it at that time, but not blizzard bags, but, uh, the, the COVID homework, you the know? online learning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, remote learning. That's what remote learning. Remote learning. A term I hope I never have to hear again. <laughs> you know, it, it was not anywhere near like in person learning because you can't get that social emotional mm-hmm. piece. Yeah, the kids can't get that connection that that they vitally need to develop. Right. But I will say it did develop the ability to of technology. Yes. I mean, now if if you have a meeting in Canton. That's pretty important. You don't have to drive to Canton. Right, exactly. You can get on a Teams meeting, a Zoom meeting. Yep. I resisted technology to that up to that point. I'm like, okay. I refuse. Yeah. Now I can create my own Zoom meeting and yeah. invite people. And yeah. I'd rather be in person though. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. It's like books. I have a lot of people, hey, you gotta get these, you gotta buy these the, books the online. Kindle or you whatever. Get a Kindle. Yeah. I'm like, I'm old school. Yeah. I want a paperback or a hardback yep. in my hands yep. that I can put on the shelf when I'm done. And I can hand it out to somebody else. Yes, exactly. And I found myself, I've handed out a number of my books when I was mentoring. I can't remember who I gave them to. <laughs> right, so exactly. Like, Good thing I'm journaling. Yeah, now. no so kidding. If I hand a book out, I at least have the content. Yeah, at least back. you've got you, the, you know, the points you took away from it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to look at especially the, you know, the, would you say it was Life of the Mouse? Lessons from the Mouse. Lessons from the Mouse. Very okay. good read. I'm, I'm definitely going to look at that I think that book may have impacted me more than any book I've read, just for the fact that now it's a habit. I, I can't find myself walking, and it's almost uncomfortable for kids, probably. If they pass me three times in the hallway, I've said good morning three <laughs> yeah, times. Right, said, right. What's wrong with this guy? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just out of habit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I, I know you've spoke at a lot of, you know, like men's breakfasts and uh, things like that. So um, tell me a little bit about that, where you do that, and um, kind of when you started doing that, um, how that how that kind of really all developed. Because, you know, I told you when we were discussing coming on the podcast that it was Jim Rowland that we were sitting down there one day, and um, I think I was wearing a Colonel Crawford shirt or something. He was like, Todd Martin, he he's like the superintendent out there, right? I go, yeah. And he goes, well, tell him Jim Rowland said hi. He spoke at, I believe he said a breakfast. Um, yeah, but, it was at uh, the, held at the hospital. Okay. I, I gave a, they basically wanted to hear about my life and my faith and, and I've in 32 years, I've got a lot of stories in education that people say, are you kidding me? That happened. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, I went through my stories with them and there I got to the part about being stabbed. And yeah. I had another episode of why the kid that carried a gun in his coat in my classroom the whole day and didn't know it until he pulled it out on a kid leaving school. Oh, geez. Was this at that, that one in Mansfield? I'm no, this was this was at Clear Fork. Oh, at Clear Fork. Okay. Yeah, okay. Was, I mean, if you're in education long enough. Stories are going to develop. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of things. And, and that's where I talk about God opening door for me to model on stage. If I wasn't a superintendent, I wouldn't have these opportunities. Right, right. You know what I mean? People wouldn't call me if I wasn't in this role. It gives me an opportunity to go up and, and talk and, and be passionate about what I feel about, how I feel about relationships, the importance of them. Yeah. Modeling, being positive. You know, I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have that stage. And like, like I said, I hope what I'm doing now will give me a bigger stage. I think it will, yeah. With 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 more people. Yeah, I absolutely think it will. And uh, you know, w- one more thing or well, two more things before we get to the whole advice thing, but um, you know, you talk about always being, you know, a, basically like a ray of positivity. You don't know what's going on in a kid's life, you know. Correct. You've got how many students are there at Colonel Crawford? 990. 990. Okay. Um most of the time you're probably going to have I I don't know percentage, but uh on on any day, you're probably going to have 30% of the students that aren't having the best day, Correct. you know, whatever happened at home or anything like that. Um, and, you know, I'm sure multiple times throughout your tenure at Colonel Crawford and all these other schools, there's been uh, tragedies that have happened, you know, um, kids have lost classmates and friends, you know, family members. Um, how How do you approach that? I mean, more specifically for 
if a student passes away, I mean, that's, you know, I know Colonel Crawford does a great job with having like a, uh, grief counselors. They have a we have grief a trauma team. team that uh, that we got. I'm a part of that trauma team. We yeah. went, we received training on how the do's and don'ts, what to say, what not to say, how to engage families. Yeah. So yeah, we have a team, and we've been put to task a couple times since yeah. that training. And yeah. you know, every every situation's different. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I like to say that we have all the answers. We don't. We'll still reach out to Cindy Wallace at community counseling, who's a professional. Say hey. We need some advice. Right. And she'll drop whatever she's doing to come out and help the team. Because there's some decisions that may seem callous, but there's a purpose because it's protecting a bigger group. Correct, yeah. I mean, and those decisions are tough as a superintendent. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they are. And, you know, that's that's kind of the the whole thing where you kind of got to stay offline, I'm sure, because you're going to get it from all angles. And there's tough decisions that have to be made, especially in, you know, very dark circumstances. And... Unfortunately, in those, like you said, you're protecting a whole group and, um, you know, multiple tragedies. But, you know, in in certain ones, you definitely don't want to attract a copycat situation, you know. And so uh, that's got to be a very, very hard part of the job, you know. It is. And But like you said, you you, But I think it's made me a better leader. Yeah. Going through these things that I've gone through. I mean, when, when somebody else is having a difficult time, say I'm mentoring a young superintendent right, right out, right into administration, I can, I can relate. I said, hey, I've been here. Here's what I did that did not work. Yeah. Here's what I did that did work. Okay. Maybe I can save you the pain in how you handle the situation. Yeah. And I think my, my, where I've grown the most, as a head coach, if, if you were a parent, and parents are very passionate about their children, right. and you were going to confront me, I was going to meet you octave for octave. <laughs> yep. It was my mission that my you understand my point. Yep. I have since learned every parent loves their child. Yep. And when they're coming in there, they're champion for their kid. Of course, yeah. So every meeting that I have, probably going back four years, my goal is I'm going to listen first. Yeah. You know, going back to Covey again. Yeah. I believe it's habit number Five, seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. Okay. I listen. Yeah. And a lot of times when I'm listening, the the, the story that I got wasn't 100% on. Right. I'm learning. And, and when I give my part, my goal when that meeting's over, regardless whether we agree or disagree, they exit my office with dignity. Right. They, right. Feel, they feel good about that. Not going to break he them down. He may not have agreed with me, but he treated me very well. Exactly. He listened to me and... You know, yeah, wasn't disrespectful. Gave me the respect, gave me the time of day, listened to my opinion on it, and let's come to a resolution. And I'm know? 32 years in to get to that point. Right. You know, you get some young administrators, they they take it personal, and, you know, even teachers, they take it personal. Yeah. Then they go home and reflect, and it comes, ah, you know. I could have handled this, but, and, and that's, you know, nobody's perfect. Nope. <laughs> there was only one perfect man and we've got, everybody struggles with it. You know, I'm sure there's times you do too, where you're like, ah, oh, man, maybe you take something too personal and it comes home with you. You know, I'm, I'm, wor- I'm working on, I've said it before, but I'm working on checking myself at the door, you know, yep. whether it was <clears throat> pouring rain all day in Shelby and I'm drenched, like. I'm trying to leave that at the door. Work is work. Home yep. is home. And that's kind of where I'm trying to get to right there with that. You know, I'm definitely getting better at it, but nowhere near perfect. And um, that's definitely the, the approach to have. Well, I think you need to, and I told my teachers this, I challenged them at the in-service this year. The word reflection should mean something. Mm-hmm. Reflection means you're going to go home. You need to find a little quiet space, even yeah. if just for 10 minutes. Yep. And you need to think about what went right in my day, what did not go so right, 
what could I do differently? Right. And I, you know, when I think about that, there might be a conversation that I had with somebody and I might've been short and just went off my day. And I'm thinking back, you know, I really cut that person off. Right. And it didn't dawn on me till I'm reflecting. And I try to seek them out the next day. Yep. Cause like I say, I'm human and I, and I, you know, I, I snap at people every now and then, you know, you get catch me when I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on a task. I'm frustrated. And you know, you're barking at me. I might bark back, but right. I try to reflect on that and get back to that person. Hey, I'm sorry. I was impatient. You know, I get it. Don't mo- don't model that behavior. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The power of reflection is a powerful, powerful tool. It really is. I, you know, I, I've noticed uh, multiple times recently to where I'm reflecting a lot at work, you know, cause I, I've got basically an hour of the day in the morning in the office with my coworkers. And then the rest of my day I'm out on the street and Sometimes I take that for granted because there's a lot of people that are sequestered to an office or a cubicle. I'm out there, you know, the elements might stink sometimes, but you know, today was what, February 27th and I wore shorts to work. Amazing day. Yeah. Had a hoodie on, took that off at about 11 AM. And it's like, man, there are people that would do just about anything to have my job right now. I'm getting exercise. I'm getting some sunlight. Like, so I do a lot of my reflecting at that point where it's like, you know, we got a lot going on with moving right now, but, you know, also trying to balance our normal family life between homework and um, we got Bible study on Wednesday, Bible study, women's Bible study on Thursday, you know, basketball just ended. So trying to balance that and then also just, you know, my normal playtime with the kids because that's, the, you know, that's more of the thing that I've been reflecting on more lately is with all the moving stuff like, yeah, I need to take this day off and, you know, it's a nice day out. I need to be out throwing football with Brantley or I need to be swinging with Emery, something like that. But so the act of reflection, it truly is, uh, if you can just, you know, think back and here's what I can do better. I heard, uh, I believe it was David Pollock that said, uh, each day he's trying to get 1% better, <laughs> you know, like get a little bit better tomorrow than you were today. And so that's kind of the mantra I'm trying to live with right now. That's a good, that's a good goal. Yeah. If you get a chance, um, that's another podcast recommendation. You got the books. I got the podcast. <laughs> Unashamed is great, especially if you're an outdoorsman. Um, but a very sport centric one, it's called family goals with David Pollock and pastor Jay. Um, and he's had countless, uh, guests on there. Um, the episodes I would recommend the most, I think it was either two or three parter. He has Jeff Foxworthy on, and they really talk about the prodigal son. And those three episodes are really what influenced me to do this podcast. Um, it was kind of an idea I'd already had, but that one I was like, yes, I, if I can somehow, you know, I, you've seen me, I used to DJ, I, I believe I did your class reunion one time, actually. You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of had used to be in on the mic and everything. And so, yep. um, if I can affect one person and lead them to Christ, that's what I'm trying to do. And David Pollock and his podcast were a, a big influence on me, on me for that. But, uh, yeah. So my recommendations are family goals, unashamed. And then the other one would be uh, social Dallas. He's a, uh, Robert Mundu is his name. He's a pastor down in Dallas and, uh, he is fantastic. It's amazing thing, things you pick up Yeah, when you want to be a sponge, yeah. things you pick up and yeah. you remember Yeah, like these book titles and what you remember. <laughs> yeah. just, they leave an impact on who you are. They really do. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of, so I think I, I've, I've told you this before too, is, you know, I'm a, uh, again, you, you got the, the book collection at home. I'm a record collector and, uh, I make these custom records uh, a couple times a year and, it started out as uh, before each song, I would have like 
a little audio clip of my kids talking, you know, to have their voices from when they were little and stuff on it. And I still do that, but now like I'm recording something I hear from that podcast and putting it on there. That way I have it forever, you know, and uh, not even just the podcast. Sometimes I cut up Paul's sermon and put it on here and, uh, have been uh, really cool. Like I just got done finished with one. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that song, New Creation by Mac Powell. Um, and I got the audio from when my wife was just baptized in November on there, you know, the new creation. And so it's a it's pretty cool thing, but uh, that's, that's my collection is the records, you know, <laughs> they're not all custom ones either. I've got, I've got, I've got some old school in there that, that, that you definitely appreciate. But. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my other question um, before we uh, start wrapping things up is, you know, you mentioned your coach at Malone and uh, you mentioned tag who, uh, who are some other people that really affected your faith and the growth of your, your faith journey? Well, like I said, I mentioned my wife yeah. and my family. Yeah. I, I think now we, we go to church now at the Nazarene, and, and we'll, my family will take up almost a pew. Okay. So I think that's impacted yeah. the fact that, you know, my family wants to go to church. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we have our, our area now, yep. and we grab our coffee. And, you know, the last, uh, last church service on Sunday, I looked, I looked at my son and said, hey, if the baby gets too heavy, if Tatum gets too heavy, I'd love to hold her. <laughs> so pastor gets ready to talk, and, you know, his talk's about 25 minutes. I get to hold the baby the whole 25 minutes. There I'm we like, go. This is like heaven. Yeah. I'm getting a message. And every time I get the message from Pastor LaSalle, it's like, he must know what I was thinking yep. this week, what I was doing. Because yep. it's right at me. Exactly. And I got this beautiful baby w- looking at me as I'm listening to this sermon. Yep. It's like, I don't know if it gets any better than that. It doesn't. It doesn't. It truly does. I think you're going to be a wonderful leader and grandfather, too. Um, I mean, I've seen it in your kids. Uh, you've done a great job. But, well, I appreciate uh, that. The, I, absolutely. Like I said, uh, you've affected so many people in the community. Um you're going to be a great, not great grandfather. You will be an excellent grandfather. I don't want to call you that old great grandfather, but uh, I appreciate that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and I, I totally agree. I've said on here, um, I think it was Mike uh, a couple weeks ago that, you know, he kind of changed his mantra of, I'm, I, I, I have to go to church to, I get to go to church. And, um, I kind of used to feel that way growing up and I'm sure you did too. I and did. It, it, yeah, like Sunday mornings were, uh, you know, I, can I just lay around? You know, I don't want to go to church. I remember hoping mom and dad wouldn't get out of bed. Yes. Come on, stay in bed a little bit longer. <laughs> a little bit longer. We don't have time to get there. Yep. But, you know, now you, you embrace it. You want to go to church. You want to grab your cup of coffee. You want to go get the word. And, yeah. You know, I find when I miss it, because maybe, maybe I'm sick or something, I still don't feel as sharp that I week. agree. I, I completely agree. Even when I'm enjoying myself on vacation, you know, um, like, and another thing that came from COVID, the technology and everything, like uh, we're camping or we're on vacation, I'm always streaming and uh that's, you know, the the biggest message I've gotten from the out-of-state listeners is now because um, having the sermon in front of this interview, it's easier for them, you know, whether you got AirPods in or you're listening in the car, you can have that time. Um, I've said on here quite a bit that really my my prayer time is that drive I have to work, you know, still do it at night in bed and with the kids and everything, but our routines are very similar. Yeah. I, I, I just, that drive is mine. I've got Caleb on in the morning and yep. I'm just, I'm looking at the sky cause I've got this beautiful view going down 96 and most of the time to myself, not very many cars uh, there. And I just wide open fields, wide open sky. And that's really where I do. Like you said, my thanking to God, I'm, I'm really not asking for anything. If I'm asking for anything, it's to continue where you've led me continue on this path that I'm going down and growing closer to you and just being thankful, man, <laughs> just being very, very thankful. Uh, I, I'm so thankful for the community, the friendships, this church, my family, and 
you know, it what was Edwin McCain. Uh, I could not ask for more. <laughs> yeah, it's somebody. I, I had somebody tell me today, you'll never know the impact you've had on this district. You know, and I reflected on that. The district will never know the impact it had on me. Yeah. You know, the community, the the kids, the staff, the admin team, the board of education has supported me unbelievable over yeah. the twelve years. They don't know the impact it's had on me. Absolutely. I mean, it's really helped my growth. Yeah. And you say, where do I find my relaxation? I like to kayak and boat. Okay. I have several kayaks. We have a boat up the lakes. Yeah. For me to go out on Lake Erie on my kayak offshore about two, 300 yards with a cup of coffee. Yeah. With my country tunes playing. There we go. It's just like a little slice of heaven. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Are you a fisherman too while you're out there? Yeah, fish a little bit. Yeah. But I'm more of a recreation. Okay. You know, yeah. paddle. Yeah. Take some sun, have absolutely. my shades, play my tunes. It's funny you say that. I, um, we've got the walleye charter coming up in June. Uh, goes out of Port Clinton, I believe. That's where said. we have a place up near, the family place up okay. by Port Clinton. Yeah. So, yeah. so I love watching bands. Yeah. I'm really into the country thing now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do Caleb in the morning. And I said, Lord bless me, but I'm going country in oh, the yeah, afternoon. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to give you some more recommendations on that then after we <laughs> after we close this out because there's some good ones you might not have heard uh heard yet. But uh so you've had thirty two years in uh and you're taking on a new role. Uh kind of similar question I asked Coach Sheldon, but uh do you have an idea of how long you'll do it or are you just you still got that passion? Right now I love the job. Yeah. I love getting up. I don't know that I could imagine not doing it. Yeah. Uh this job and it, it has a different type of demand. Okay. I think I can do this job and and really put myself into it and do it a lot longer period of time. Okay. The superintendent job is a very rewarding, but it, it is a demanding job. When I'm getting up at four fifteen in the morning to check the roads or check the fog, and we got a ball game that night and I'm getting home at ten o'clock, it just has a demand on your body. Yeah. That after twelve years it's like well, I don't know if the old body's going <laughs> to go much longer than my retirement because I can right. retire in two years. Yeah. But I have no desire right. to retire in two years. Okay. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's that's definitely good news. And then uh, will it be kind of a similar thing that it was with you and Bruner to where you're going to be pretty involved with the next superintendent on who it's going to be and everything? Yeah, we're, I mean, we'll start those conversations uh, this month. Okay. I think the goal of the board – uh, is to have somebody in place uh, here in the next month or so. Okay. So we can. Er- I want everything in place before I walk away. Right. Right. You know, I'm not going to serve as a lame duck. Right. That's not my style. Yep. I'm going to go out kicking and screaming the whole way. Yeah. I'm going to still greet kids every morning. I'm still going to engage staff and and enjoy the people of Colonel Crawford. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before I get to the advice thing, is there uh, anything you know coming up between the school and the community, or anything going on with you that you might want to uh, let people know about? You know, any uh, any programs or any events that uh, are on the agenda for you? What I would recommend you do is go to our school app. Okay. Uh, Colonel Crawford app. It downloads for free. And it, at the bottom is a scroll of all the events when the play is coming up. Annie, yeah. the ticket's going to be going on sale for that later this month. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that is the week of the 14th, 15th, 16th. And I saw just a snapshot of it at our board meeting. They entertained us a little. Set. It's going to be amazing. Okay. Going to be amazing. What grades is that? Uh, they incorporate elementary into high school. Okay. So it's a wide cast of kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure... At least one, maybe two of Pastor Paul's grandkids are in it, uh, Riggle kids. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. It should be a dynamite president. The, the programs we put on out there, our music department, you know, the fine arts is just yeah. amazing. And you've been, to, you've been to some of the concerts. Oh, yeah. If you don't get there enough, 
the 400 and oh, some yeah. seats we have, they're full. They're you got to stand <laughs> against the wall. In the hallways. Yeah. yeah. It, and that's, that's a tribute to our community. Yeah. They value our kids. Yep. They value what we're doing. That's why we're successful. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. You've got to get there early for those things. But mm-hmm. no, that's, that's exciting. Uh, you said that the tickets go on sale when? Uh, I think it's a, the first or second week in March, but it'll be on the app. Okay. There's an ad on there right now. And okay. on our Facebook page, Colonel Crawford Local, there's ads on there talking about it. Okay. Awesome. And if you don't do our social media, do it. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Well, I appreciate you, uh, again, so much for coming on and taking the time this evening. Uh, had to kick it a little, about an hour later than usual. Had worship team practice tonight and everything. So, um, once they were done jamming in here and, uh, by the way, Kim, Tim, or, uh, <laughs> Tim, uh, Kim, Todd said that you had a uh, great voice, by the way, so shout out to Kim. <laughs> but uh, my final thing before we get out of here is, uh, you know, I, I always end it, and this is definitely something I've gotten from other podcasts, uh, so I don't want to take credit for that. But um, And also, there's been so many good examples of it, but uh, the best advice that someone's either given you or you've read from a book or that you've given that uh, has really resonated with you and has been something that stuck out with you throughout your life i think the message would be this you have two ears and one mouth for a reason listen twice as much as you speak there we go and you'll go a long ways in life and people appreciate you a lot more yeah absolutely i like that i like that well todd thank you again so much for coming on um i wish you luck with thanks for having me yeah absolutely and i I wish you luck with your new position definitely going to be missed uh can't express that enough but uh before we get out of here i'm just going to touch on the things that are coming up so um Regular things on Wednesday with the adult Bible study, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Youth group, 6.30 to 8.30 in the CLC. Um, Actually wasn't on the bulletin this week, but uh, this Thursday, the 29th, is the first uh, women's Bible study. Uh, I don't think I have the time. Oh, yep, it is on here. I'm sorry, it is in the bulletin on the back page. Um, But yeah, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., Fifteen dollar fee just to get the book for that. There's still a few more spots left open on the uh, the men's fishing charter and camping trip. Uh, I think the AM's all filled up, but there's some in the PM. Uh, let's see. Oh, those Voice of Hope baby bottles. Uh, they were technically due this past Sunday, but uh, like Pastor Paul said, uh, we're called Grace Point for a reason. Uh, so we're granting you grace and giving you an extra week. So get those in. Um, other than that, though, um, Saturday, Tim Bell back with a, a new book for the men's breakfast. Just finished up the playbook for life um, with Joe Gibbs. Um, I don't think it has it on here what the new one's called. That was last week. But uh, the f- first lesson in that starts this Saturday at 9 a.m. Tim does a great job with this breakfast, man. I grew up with Tim. Did you? Okay. As little kids. We grew up together. Awesome. Graduated together. Yeah. And then now get to work together. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <clears throat> and... Uh, yeah, thank you again. Um, everything else, I think that that pretty much uh, covers everything. So thank you all for listening. Um, got the next few guests lined up and should just keep on rolling. Like I said, we're going to go uh, all the way to about Memorial Day with this. We're going to do a special edition in the summer for... Uh, the St. Jude's Hog Roast, and then we'll get back into it into the fall. And it's actually going to be more of a Bible study uh, pod group, Bible study podcast, starting with the next season. So uh, you might uh, get a text from me to join in every once in a while uh, when when you're free. So thank you, again, Todd, and uh, to everyone else. Thank you for listening, and I will see you Sunday. God bless. <laughs>